Georgia is really a Republican state. So why do they continue to elect these radical Democrat senators? It's not organic. This is something that we can specifically say has been cheated. All right, my friends, welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News. I hope you're having a lovely day. I got barely any sleep last night, and I have to believe that probably many of you out there are in much the same boat. It is post-election day, November 9th, 2022, and it looks as if the same problems that we saw back in 2020 persist to this day. America is currently in the midst of the greatest crisis of the modern age. Inflation is out of control. Gas prices and food are breaking families left and right. Seven out of 10 Americans believe that the country is going in the wrong direction. And yet at the same time, we're meant to believe that through the use of electronic voting machines and just a lot of plucky polling, the Democrats were able to pull it out in some of the most insane areas, including stealing the race from my friend J.R. Majewski in Ohio's 9th District. We're going to be going through a lot of important information today. I think uh, I'm going to lay out a bunch of different things for you, and hopefully at the end of the show, you're going to be sufficiently angry enough to make sure that if you haven't committed to doing at least one action per day to saving America and trying to hold these people accountable by the end of the show, you're going to feel like you have to. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. All right, my friends, thanks for sticking around. So I want to begin today by saying I hope that everyone out there is happy, healthy, safe, and that after the results we saw last night, hopefully you're also very angry because we just witnessed the second election in a row that appears to have been controlled from somewhere other than the ballot box, somewhere other than the precinct center. Uh, in some cases, it was decided due to midnight ballot dumps, things that we've seen in the past. Mike Lindell is already working on getting that information together. In other areas, it appears that there were obvious cases of voter intimidation, uh, voter security suggestion, uh, people working at precinct places telling uh, voters to vote for Democrats. Project Veritas is doing great work on that. And then in other places, it looks like perhaps it was the work of the mainstream media that ensured that people didn't show up to vote in the way that we had hoped they would. You know, back in 2020, it was like President Trump was guaranteed to win. We went into that race believing that the country was in such good shape and all the economic indicators were there. Why would people want to change that status quo? They would want to continue on with that and continue to strengthen America. Now, I believe that the majority of Americans did feel that way and they did vote that way. But of course, the election was again changed by someone other than the people going to the ballot boxes. Now, this article from the Gateway Pundit really puts it together pretty succinctly. It feels like we are watching the first wholly manufactured election in our history in which all key competitive races were programmed by Langley. I would say that we saw the same thing back in 2020, but regardless, maybe people didn't believe it back in 2020. Maybe what they needed was to see it again, almost in the exact same fashion happening here in 2022. Now, some of these key races have not officially been decided. Arizona is still in contention. It does look like we're going to win the House, but because of the Senate, we may not gain full control of both houses of Congress. We have a runoff election between Herschel Walker and radical Raphael Warnock that is going to be coming up because, uh, you know, Georgia loves their runoff elections because that way they can make it appear as, oh, it was so close. But then at the end of the day, they can just stuff a couple of extra ballots into the Democrats coffers and then people can walk away with it. 
So speaking of Georgia, let's take a closer look at the results all across the state and compare them to the results for Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Now, Raphael Warnock, he was a bad candidate back in 2020. He's still a bad candidate in 2022. Herschel Walker was ahead in the polls going into Election Day and people casting their ballots. But nevertheless, it looks like the FBI and the deep state in Georgia wants you to believe that the people of Georgia would rather vote for this radical Marxist Raphael Warnock, who not only is destroying Georgia, but also was responsible for running over his own wife with a car. This seems like the kind of thing the mainstream media would want to pay attention to. But instead, they're talking about paternity tests for Herschel Walker and his potential mental issues which is so hilarious when you compare him to John Fetterman or Joe Biden. Herschel Walker is leaps and bounds ahead of either of those guys. I don't think he has any problem with his mental faculties. But if we take a look at all of these other races, the Republicans won handily all over the state. Only in the race against Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock is it neck and neck. Now, they're showing that in this particular Senate race, Warnock is getting 49.2% of the vote. Herschel Walker gets 48.7%. So this is going to send it to a runoff election. And in that runoff election, we have an opportunity to get Herschel Walker into office. But... Considering the way that it went down here, there is a possibility that they're going to fake it and make sure that Raphael Warnock goes back in. Now, why the Senate? Why not everything else? Well, the Senate is one of those key races. They have to control at least one of the houses of Congress so that they can continue to at least work on implementing the deep state, a.k.a. Biden regime agenda. Uh, so without that 50 percent, we're going to see that runoff election. But look at Brian Kemp, 53.4 to Stacey Abrams, 45.8 for attorney general, 51.9 to 46.6. Lieutenant governor, 51.4 to the Democrats, 46.6. And secretary of state, even though it's deep state, Brad Raffensperger, 53.2 to 44 percent for the Democrat. In the House race, we have nine seats that are going to Republicans, five that are going to Democrats. So it almost looks as if Georgia is really a Republican state. So why do they continue to elect these radical Democrat senators? It's not organic. This is something that we can specifically say has been cheated. Now, Brian Kemp did beat Stacey Abrams for the second time in a row, but nobody wanted to vote for Stacey Abrams and she was a bad candidate from the outset. So I don't think they could have successfully convinced anybody that Stacey Abrams would won. Now, then again, I would have said the exact same thing about John Fetterman. And now it looks like this brain dead stroke patient is about to make his way to Washington, D.C. so that his wife can cast votes for him on the floor of the Senate. Yes, my friends, as shocking as it may sound, as little as Dr. Oz was liked among the MAGA Republicans, uh, he was still a better choice than John Fetterman. And unfortunately, Dr. Oz has conceded to John Fetterman. He called him, I guess, early this morning uh, to say that they had fought a hard-fought Senate race. Uh, around 9.30 a.m., Dr. Oz called him and said that he wishes him the best, wishes him the best to his family and to himself, both personally and as the next United States senator. Now, I'm really interested to see what happens with John Fetterman. I think this is going to be spectacularly bad for the people of Pennsylvania. And I can only hope that it's going to be another instance where the people of these areas are going to look at what happened to the results they've been handed, not the results that they actually voted for. And they're going to make a decision to get up out of their chairs and do something to make sure it doesn't happen again. One very important point that I think the black pillars miss 
and that perhaps the people who just generally don't have a good outlook about this stuff uh, is that, yeah, you know, this is a battle that's been lost in certain cases. It's not as bad as many people would have you believe. But in certain cases, it was definitely stolen. I think that one theft is too many. But at the end of the day, we are in the midst of a war. This is, again, fifth generation warfare, a multi-generational war. This is simply one battle along the path to victory. We're not getting participation trophies here. We're laying the foundation for the next generation of American leaders. And those American leaders are going to be made up of people like you. So it's very important that we continue to stay active and continue to push this issue. Election integrity is the number one issue, or it should be, all across America. Your safety and security, very, very important. The economy, probably realistically the most important option that anybody should be thinking about. Because if you can't afford to support yourself or your family, then you can't afford to fight for freedom. Now, although I know a lot of you are out there feeling dejected, feeling down, feeling like we did not get the results that we wanted, we definitely didn't get everything we wanted, but we got a lot of what we wanted in some very key areas. We're definitely going to be taking back the House. We still have an opportunity to take the Senate, although I am always going to rely on a bit of cautious optimism when I'm talking to you guys about these subjects. But one thing that's very important to remember, a lot of people are trying to frame this uh, midterm cycle as the last nail in Trump's political coffin. In fact, that is a direct quote from Meghan McCain. Now, Meghan McCain's opinion means absolutely nothing to me. Obviously, I think it means absolutely nothing to you. But I think it's important to recognize where the mainstream is looking and how they feel this is sending us down the path. Now, Meghan McCain wants nothing more than for Trump to be removed from public life because he and her father had major public political spats. She said this will go down as a giant warning sign and hopefully a convincing argument against the delusional that President Trump is the future of the GOP. Too many Republicans lost an unlosable election last night, and they have no one to blame but themselves. That right there is something I take issue with because it was not the Republicans. It was not their affiliation with President Trump. It wasn't the fact that they identified as America first. The reason that we had Republicans losing seemingly unlosable seats last night is because of the massive cheating that is still in effect, the same cheating that led to the results in 2020 and the same cheating that we saw personified last night. Now, one of those races that I mentioned earlier, Carrie Lake, it's not over because they are still counting votes. And within the last few minutes, Carrie Lake has come within 1% of Katie Hobbs. Republicans are gaining votes as these additional ballots are coming in and they're beginning to count them. Now, we know that Arizona is one of those states that loves to stuff the ballot box. We have a lot of crooked people there working that pretend to be Republicans and are actually Democrats. Hopefully, it's not just Kerry Lake. I would I would imagine if Kerry Lake wins, then also we're going to see a Mark Fincham win. Also, we're going to see a Blake Masters and a Pamada across the board. Really, I believe that Arizona is a red state, but this is one of those races that we have to continue to watch and do not let yourself believe that we have lost or that everything is over. Just because we lost a couple of races doesn't mean that we have lost the battle or the eventual war at the end. Now, as an example, President Trump actually had 174 wins so far, counting the wins from yesterday, of candidates that he's endorsed, only nine losses. Now, President Trump did not see the results of 100% wins all across the board. We didn't get 100% wins. 
But are we going to say that after 174 Trump endorsed candidates have sailed into public office since he left public office, that that's a loss? I just don't believe it. We have to take these wins, these losses and all of the slings and arrows that we experience along the way and use them to funnel us into an active base of people who are going to take back this nation when we're all said and done. Now, one such Trump-endorsed candidate that is obviously very important to me and hopefully very important to you is my very good friend, J.R. Majewski. Now, J.R. has put out an official message to the people of Ohio's 9th District, to Marcy Kaptur, and to the American people. Now, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to hear what J.R. is saying, and I want you to understand what J.R. is preparing to do for the future. Although we may have lost this battle— JR is not going to quit the war, and neither can you. Let's take a listen. Well, Ohio 9, we left it all on the field today. And uh, I wanted to take the time out to say thank you to all of you who have supported my campaign over the past few months. It's been quite an experience for me, and uh, I'm thankful to have shared it with all of you. Future's bright for all of us. I promise you that. I look forward to continuing the relationships that I've built, continuing to support the community, and uh, working really, really hard. We'll see what uh, what lies ahead. I know the nuclear industry could uh, use a good leader, and I'm going to continue to work hard for this country and uh, bring energy independence back where it belongs. Again, thank you, all of you. I love all of you, and uh, let's continue fighting the good fight. God bless. So regardless of the official results from yesterday, I look at JR and I see someone who just two short years ago uh, was not running for Congress, was was not brave enough to stand up to a 40 year Democrat incumbent who wasn't necessarily ready to lay everything on the line, put everything that he had into running for this district to put everything he had on the line for the people of Ohio. He did that. He went through an incredible experience, something that you cannot possibly understand unless you've run for office and you have had the opportunity to touch the lives of all of those people, the people who believe in you, the people who want to see you succeed, and the people who know and understand what it is that you want to do for those that you're going to represent. JR is an incredible human being. And I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of everything he's accomplished. But even more, I'm so proud of the man that he has become and for the leadership that he's going to display in the months and years ahead. We all need to take a lesson from J.R. Majewski and recognize that when we get to a certain point and the result is not what we had hoped for, we don't simply pack it up. We don't quit. We continue looking forward and we look ahead to the next goal. Regardless of the results of this race, I want to say that I am so proud of my friend J.R. Majewski. He did more than 90% of the people out there. He put everything on the line because he loved his country and he wanted to see things change at home. We need more people like J.R. Majewski and the more people we have out there running for office, challenging these long-term lifer Democrat incumbents, the more likely we are to beat them at the ballot box and to actually get the justice that we're 
hoping to see. Now, I said on Truth Social earlier, no matter what you think is happening behind the scenes, the bald-faced theft of another election just occurred, and you should be angry. Now, I don't mean for anybody to blackpill. I don't want you to look at what happened yesterday and say all hope is lost. What I think we need to do is look at what happened yesterday, evaluate the strengths and the weaknesses, and propagate those strengths, and then address the weaknesses. We have a number of new politicians coming into political office all across America, state, local, and federal levels. we got to put pressure on those people. Our main goal from this point forward, I truly believe, is to get rid of electronic voting machines. Now, I said there's nothing organic about the results that we've seen reported. The people must rise up and demand a Accountability. That's where you have to sit down and look yourself in the mirror and say, what can I realistically do in my city, in my state to help further the message of election integrity, to help further the goal of saving America? I guarantee you there is something more that you can do, and there are any number of different ways that that can happen. I've already had people ask me, Zach, what do you suggest we do? I can't tell anybody what to do. That's only going to be between you and God because the circumstances are going to be unique for every single person. But I think at the end of the day, we have to demand political accountability. We have to demand investigations based on some of the evidence I'm about to show you of the election malfeasance that happened in a number of places all across the country. And again, first and foremost, we have to get rid of electronic voting machines. We are spending millions of dollars every single year as a country, and we saw yesterday those machines did not work as they were billed. Perhaps they worked as intended, but we'd have to get Dominion and others under deposition in order to get those answers, and I don't think we're going to do that. If we want change, you guys, we have got to be the ones to force it because our lives and the future of America depend on it. Now, this, again, is going to be upsetting to people, but I've said this a number of times as well. This is a multi-generational war. G. Edward Griffin said the other night on the show that he doesn't know that we're going to see it in our lifetime. He is 91 years old. I am 44 years old, and damn it, I sure hope that we see this in my lifetime, but I am prepared to fight the rest of my life life for the next 50, 60, 70 years, if I'm lucky enough to live that long, some Methuselah level stuff. Uh, but taking a look at uh, what happened in Michigan last night, another very familiar line of election malfeasance and manipulation happening here. Now, Mike Lindell is currently going through all of the results uh, to kind of break it down and show exactly where the steals happened. You can see right here, we have Alyssa Slotkin, former CIA agent, running against Republican Tom Barrett. They were neck and neck. And of course, right here at the very beginning, we have Tom Barrett showing as having taken the lead. Now, remember, it's the mail-in and absentee ballots that get uh, uh, actually counted first. So this is looking really good here initially. And over the course of the day, because he got that initial lead, every time there's another dump of ballots that comes in, we have this algorithmic uh, kind of uh, skew of the number of votes that are coming in. But Tom Barrett remains in the lead all until we get to about 1 a.m. And then all of a sudden, we have this unproportional jump of ballots for Alyssa Slotkin. And then for the rest of the night, as they count, the gap between them remains exactly the same. This is not a natural phenomenon. And this is why I'm saying there's nothing organic about what we're seeing here. It's Michigan. It is the home of the ballot dump, the 3 a.m. dump. The polls closed at 8 p.m. yesterday. That means that after 8 p.m., no more ballots are supposed to come in. But the results that we got directly conflict with any perception that campaign professionals, pollsters, 
and the people on the ground thought was going to happen. Well, the only way that can happen is if we have another ballot dump situation. Now, nothing was done in the wake of 2020, and the corrupt state politicians there did everything they could to ensure that they would be able to do the exact same type of steal this time around. So the order of operation goes, absentee ballots get counted first. Then we get those collected on Election Day from in-person voters and then late arriving ballots. Now, there's really no reason for those ballots to arrive late unless they're injecting ballots into the system. And certainly after a certain period of time, ballots are not supposed to be counted because they are after that exclusive deadline. Now, in the city of Detroit, Michigan was apparently collecting thousands of ballots significantly after the legal deadline this time. And we have this video here showing U-Haul trucks full of ballots being delivered to the city of Detroit after 11.30 p.m. on election night. This is illegal right here. There is no reason any of these ballots should be counted. And perhaps this is the reason for this big jump that we see for Alyssa Slotkin here in the middle of the night. Very, very similar to what we saw in 2020. We have coolers full of ballots. We have these USPS pallets full of ballots. So how in the world could these ballots be arriving so late? Well, it looks to me like they saw the lead that the Republican candidates had in Michigan. They determined exactly how many ballots they were going to need to inject, and they went ahead and did it. And so, yes, again, we have the same thing. We're showing that all of our MAGA candidates lost in Michigan. Uh, We do have a couple of wins in the House, of course, but by and large, those big races that we were hoping were going to be winners weren't. Now, my best hope is that as a result of this illegal evidence we've got right here, we will see election day challenges. We will see legal challenges to the illegality of this election. Now, that has yet to be announced, but I'm hoping that we will see something. Now, I mentioned Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. Despite the fact that Dr. Oz has officially conceded, Project Veritas was getting reports from all over the nation yesterday of election activity that was illegal. And in Pennsylvania, we have a poll worker telling a voter to vote Democrat inside a polling location. Now, I shouldn't even have to tell you, but that is wholly illegal. Now, they actually took this information to a person running that polling location, and they claim that they're going to do something about it. However, the question is, what are they going to do and how quickly are they going to do it? We saw from what took place in 2020, waiting does us absolutely no favors. We need to be on the ball. We need to be demanding accountability. And if you're a voter in Pennsylvania, you need to be calling people who are in charge of this stuff and demanding that they look into it, demanding that this woman be held accountable because we got her dead to rights. We got her face on there. We have her holding up a ballot, pointing it out and everything. Let's go ahead and take a look. I, I asked you to vote the Republican. You- I mean, the Democrats on the so whole, because we're kind of focused. If a Democrat wins, at least it's to represent us. Yeah. I agree with you. That doesn't look good. You know, I should vote for Fetterman, right? I would say so. That's okay. my advice. And not vote for Oz. Right. So I did that whole thing like it goes down like a... I'll tell you, I'll tell you, these two are gonna win regardless. So this is your big one. I need a vote for Oz. Why again? No, Fetterman. No, no. Oh, the weed guy. I, I asked you to vote the Republican. You... I mean the Democrats down the So you, do you think I should vote down ballot Democrat too? Uh-huh. I, I mean, this is how I choose. I choose the Democrat, 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 Democrat. 
Okay. And this so. is so easy. I don't bother Republic because they're the Trump people. Yeah. And but if you want the Democrat win, you focus. If we all focus on Democrat, we can win. Right. If we spread, you know, I mean, this one, that one, we, when they so like you, because we're trying to focus on if the Democrat win, at least they just represent us. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have to be united right now. Right. Think I should vote down ballot on the Democrat? Yeah. That's that's what I think. Okay. I agree with you. That doesn't look good. Now I'll have you know, I'm going to check with the Board of Elections before I discuss this any further with you guys. Furthermore, I may also, if they instruct me to do so, contact Christy Please to do. talk to her, to hear her side of the story. I'm glad that you guys are here. You're here for a reason to report yep, malfeasance absolutely. and any sort of uh, unconscionable behavior. Sure. We're in agreement there. Okay? Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably not going to do anything about it tonight, but I will follow up on it tomorrow Great. or the next day if you guys want to give me a call. I'll talk we'll tomorrow. work it out. We'll work through the steps together. Okay. Are we all in agreement? That's, that's cool. Absolutely. Thank no you, problem. gentlemen. Thanks, sir. I appreciate, appreciate your, yep. your, your honesty you. and yep. your integrity in this situation, and we'll figure out a resolution. So thanks to the work of people at Project Veritas, we've got two different poll workers dead to rights telling people to vote Democrat, telling them not to vote Republican, downvote Democrat, everything Democrat, because the Democrats represent the people. Couldn't be further from the truth. And I also can't help but notice that Christine Yang, Mandarin translator, is also a Chinese person who has moved to the United States from China. Um, You know, how many times are we going to see Chinese immigrants who probably still have connections to the Chinese Communist Party coming to America and getting involved in our election system and creating problems for us. You know, one person maybe doesn't necessarily make that big of a difference. But does anybody here believe that it's just one person? I mean, Christine Yang and that other guy, the teacher, uh, they both represent a large portion of the Democrat Party who believe that the only way they can win is by breaking the law in this exact way. Now, I'm super excited at the attitude that elections judge had. Uh, You know, he seemed to be very positive, very receptive. I don't know what his politics are, but it looks like he at least understands what the job entails. This is exactly the moment at which Christopher Swinkala should be stepping in and taking action. And I, I would imagine that Christine and that teacher there should both be brought up on charges. These are illegal activities. This is not something that you're supposed to be engaging in when you're a poll worker. And it's stuff like this that we have to continue to press the issue on. So he is Christopher Swinkala, judge of elections for Ward 39, Division 19. Maybe if Christopher started getting calls, emails, and communications from people out there in the Pennsylvania, in the Philadelphia area, then maybe we would get some movement on this. Uh, I hope that he did say something. I hope that Christine is looking at perhaps getting deported, perhaps getting charges placed against her. But the only way we're going to find out is if we keep the pressure on. We need more people like this out there every day doing these on-the-ground investigations and proving the illegal activity that's taking place in the American election system. All right, and finally, looking at the House, it seems that at the end of the day, we are still going to control it 
despite the fact that Democrats controlled it before. Now, early in the day, it looked like it was going to be a mop-up. Republicans were going to probably end up winning 227 seats. We had about 34 toss-up seats, uh, so it could have gone anyway. But as long as we had over 218, we would gain control of the House. Well, it ended up being that Democrats took all 34 of those toss-up seats. They also took seven seats that were previously held by uh, Republican people. Uh, And, you know, the only thing you can look at here and see is more evidence of election fraud. So these 34 toss-ups and the seats that they stole from Republicans, these are areas that we have to do a lot of investigation and a lot of digging in. We can't look at this as a loss. We have to look at this as a learning opportunity. And once again, although the Senate is not yet decided, having control of the House goes a long way towards furthering the America First agenda. We have to learn from our mistakes. We have to learn from the illegal activities of the Democrats and determine how we're going to be able to be them in the future. We've always got time. And although this isn't going to get solved in a day or a night or even a week or a month, this is something that we have to continue to work on. And we have to prepare every single one of our people for the battle ahead. All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I want to thank everyone for joining me. Please, if you would, make sure you tune in tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Badlands Media for another episode of Altered State with myself and Brad Getz. I'm certain we're going to be doing more post-election discussions and talking about what comes next. But remind yourself every single day when you wake up that you're the only person who controls how you react to a situation. You're the only person who decides what it is that you're going to get out of every interaction that you have every day. And I hope that you continue to wake up every morning and choose to fight for America because, damn it, she's worth it. I want to thank everyone for joining me. As always, this has been Red Pill 78. My name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this was another edition of Red Pill News. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.